Always here, Steve. Always here. Always here. You are. You're uh, you're like a case of herpes. We can only suppress you. We can never actually make you go away, even if we're taking Val tracks. But that's all right. Like keeping you around. Uh, also joining us. Uh, good. Good to have him back. Sean Glennis is here. Yeah, yeah. He had to he had to throw in the pinch hitter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jake continues to have a baby. I can see that being a problem for the next probably 17 years or so. And well, I got uh, a dog, and that's basically yeah, you know, same thing. And you're looking at another dog. You're really, you're really expanding the family here. Yeah, trying to get away from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if this podcast has taught you anything, Sean, it should be that no matter how many animals you have, we will keep dragging you back. <laughs> that's true, yeah. At this Bad point, Jake, Jake has, what is he at, three dogs, five cats? Is that the, the current running tally? You have a, some knowledge of that? I, to me, it's just like too many. That's my knowledge of how many animals Jake owns. It's like Where's Waldo, looking at a, a picture of all his cats and dogs. <laughs> um, no, it's good to be back. Um, I think we have a fun little lineup today uh, that I curated specifically for OpVac. Um, so, yeah. You you did it. You did a good job. This is like opvac to a T. Like okay, so we've got uh, underrated director making quality genre films, primarily in the eighties and nineties, and there's also connections to uh, Schrader and uh, Larry Cohen. Yeah. So yeah, I, really, this it doesn't get more optimism. Vaccine. Than- the only thing that that could have like upped the back ante on this is if we did like a three volume uh <laughs> set of well, there's still time, of John. There's still time. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah we, we could have really built up to uh to a uh stephen baldwin double bill for for an episode for the final episode yeah it is nice because yeah we're talking about john flynn today and he did have a stephen baldwin era at the end of his career so not a lot of people can say that um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess the only, yeah, like you said, the only thing that can make this more op would be, uh, one, if we did a three part series covering every single movie he made and besides two, rolling thunder. <laughs> yeah. Besides rolling thunder, we leave rolling thunder out. And then also if there was somehow a way for us to like find some weird, uh, uncut, like director's cut of, of one of his TV movies where we see like a, a woman's butthole or something. That <laughs> Marilyn, the un- that would, that would truly be Marilyn, the untold story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're gonna pair that with blonde and get the real story of Marilyn, you know, tackle yeah. it from all angles. Uh, yeah, I don't, I was, I was skeptical of Sean cause I, I'm like, what? I, I, fine, John Flynn, but what the fuck are these choices he wants to cover? What, what, where's Rolling Thunder? Where's Out for Justice? <laughs> Maybe some brain scan or something. No, yeah. no, he brings he brings the obscure. And I gotta say, having watched some of the other ones, this this was a good call. This is an interesting era for his his work. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's good shit. And you know, to to give you a little background on John Flynn, if you're not familiar, and I'm sure you're saying, who the fuck is John Flynn? Uh, uh, per our discussion in our group chat earlier, we're not talking about 
the Minnesota Timberwolves draft pick slash bust uh, from a little over a decade ago. I guess it would be now. Um, this is a totally different John Flynn. He is mostly known for Rolling Thunder, but again, it's hard to say he's known for Rolling Thunder because I think most people are familiar with the movie Rolling Thunder, but they associate it primarily with Paul Schrader and not John Flynn. And uh, same goes for Out for Justice. Okay, right. if if you ask any Seagal head, what are you what are your top three Seagals, uh, or you know, just go ask your dad. Uh, Out for Justice, easy, easy top three Seagal. It's it's right up there with Under Siege. And then, you know, aside from that, you, you don't really, you don't hear much about our boy John Flynn. Brainscan is probably best known for having a really stupid movie poster uh, and being like an odd slice of 90s techno horror. Uh, but really, it's just one of those movies that just is very moralizing and it comes down to don't play video games. Yeah. So yeah, lock up. I guess if you're if you're a Stallone completionist or something, but yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. the outfit is. Uh, it was a Duval movie that was actually a pretty big hit at the time, but I, I've certainly had no exposure to it in the years since. Mm -hmm. I think also um, he worked a lot with TV films, which we'll talk about a couple of them. Uh, so I mean, you know, this he, one one he was a hired hired hand mm -hmm. and the other he was working on movies that uh you know just played that that people would catch you know on tv fleetingly and and you know on showtime or whatever um and not really think twice about them yeah this mm -hmm. is this is all plays in my theory of what the fuck is a tv movie anyways in like 1992 because uh, nails certainly does not seem to qualify as a tv movie based on content but eh, that's how no. it's listed no, well, yeah, and same, same with scam. Like, I, I guess nails is a little. There's a lot more going on there, but I think nails, while it's listed as a TV movie, it wasn't like the ABC film of the week or something. I think it was like sold to Showtime or something like that. So, um, yeah, it it really is interesting to see how he interpreted this idea of a, of a TV movie and what that meant at the time, and how that's kind of different from how we think about TV movies now. Uh, but also it's, I don't know, it's, it's just cool that we're covering a director like him because, you know, this is the kind of guy where if you Google him, most of the things that come up are people saying stuff like, Hey, why doesn't anybody ever talk about John Flynn? Like that's the yeah. general like internet consensus about him. And, and even he's, then he's so it's much more like, than that. even then it's like, uh, the, the deepest, uh, mention will be like bestseller. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they're going to be talking about rolling thunder, maybe defiance, uh, and they'll talk about his uh, and brain scan and, and whatever the outfit, but um, <clears throat> they they'll also talk about like his ties to Ray Wise, the uh, you know mm -hmm. um, mid century uh, Hollywood filmmaker that he came up in. Um, so nobody was really going through these, and there isn't a, a lot uh, written about them. I I will uh, uh, say um, I was inspired to curate these just by. Um, being uh just just by following um the great uh brazilian film critic Felipe Furtado who um uh has uh seen i think the majority of his work and just kind of like seeing like his appreciation for for some of these um which was uh cool even though um I'm, i i'm not quite at at the level of his appreciation for some of these uh i think it's really interesting um to see somebody championing 
championing championing uh some of these movies um but yeah i don't know i mean he's 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 for the OPFAC. Well, mm-hmm. it's an interesting right. case because I, I can understand why he's not exactly like fitting neatly into auteur theory or something. He's almost a sort of anti-auteur. Right? It, it makes sense that he studied under like a guy like Wise because he's very much practicing sort of right. the invisible style. Like this is, uh, there's not a lot of like signature elements that I, I could note between the three films uh, other than yeah, I'd say he's a, must be a pretty apt actor's director but yeah visually he he stays out of the way of these things like there's probably a reason rolling thunder is most associated with schrader and i i think bestseller you would probably say the same with cohen like it, it very much feels like service to the author's work yeah and, and even scam i believe is uh uh he's working with a novelist who wrote you know the actual novel that it, that it's uh, listed on. I don't know how big of a deal Craig Smith was or his novel, The Lady Stinger. <laughs> um, but uh, you get the sense that um, maybe John Flynn is not the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the overriding uh, auteur voice of these. No, I would say not. But there's nothing wrong with that. No. No, not at all. Well, I, I guess let's uh, let's just dive in chronologically, I suppose. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about bestseller because, you know, one, I'm a big Brian Dennehy man. And two, I, I love a solid 80s James Woods performance. And oh, yeah, I, this is this is him at the top of his game. And Sean, I know you primarily like James Woods for his personal politics, <laughs> but goddamn, he's incredible in this. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, he's when, when was Vampires was Vampires? around like a, a few years after this yeah a few years about five years after this no I think, like it's uh, okay. vampires is it's late 90s oh really yeah i think so okay, like it's it's it. a, i'd say it's at the very earliest I like 95 oh yeah because that's when he was kind of oh god his... it's 98 yeah, really yeah. shit i thought it was early jesus christ wow i'm uh, sorry apologies to the opvac community for this horrible <laughs> <laughs> no i should know that as well because uh, it's clearly post uh, Prince of Darkness, and that's what like ninety three or ninety four. Anyway, oh, it's not your way off. Uh, the, Prince of Darkness is eighty. God damn it! <laughs> or no, sorry, I was thinking of in the mouth. Of there Madness. you go. Sorry. In the mouth of Madness. Yeah. Uh, there you go. yeah. <laughs> Sean, we're gonna we're gonna make you draw a clock, and the numbers are probably gonna be crooked. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's it's great. He has this um, this great like outfit. Uh, you know the outfit. Uh, uh, this like leathery jacket or this like really tight kind of fit suit and putting on these sunglasses and he's just a real son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think John Flynn, that's kind of like the character that he really, uh, you know, um, that's his milieu is, is the son of a bitch. Um, and you know, there's a lot of warehouses and, and people trying to get people to do other things against their grain and different motives and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, and I think James Woods, yeah, he, he works in this because, at least from this era, there's no one that plays, like, a better slick prick than James Woods. It's just, like, the role he was born to play. And then you got someone like Brian Dennehy, and it's like, okay, uh, we need a, a, a grizzled veteran of a police force who's trying to do right. It's like, well, fuck. Look at Brian Dennehy in his, his 40s while this movie is... It's <laughs> <laughs> no, he's another guy. Another guy where he he was sixty years old his entire career, 
What does a young Brian Dennehy even look like? I wouldn't fucking know. This movie tries to posit what he would look like with the first scene being like 15 years earlier. <laughs> it's like, here's young <laughs> Brian Dennehy. I'm like, he's 65 years old. What the fuck are we doing? It's good stuff. But no, he's he's um, in his 40s. Woods is kind of <laughs> in the same boat. You're like, what? How old are these people supposed to be? They're, they're, it's a real mystery. <laughs> Truly is. I was like... I was, I was going to say, though, I was actually taken aback um, when the credits uh, showed that Larry Cohen wrote it. I didn't know that um, when I hit play. Yeah, I, I had no idea going in either. I, I went into all these blinds. I, like most people, I was probably like, fucking John Flynn, what? Like, <laughs> okay, sure. Right. <laughs> Let's see what Rolling Thunder guys got for me. And then this is the first one that I watched. I was like, okay, Larry Cohen. And it, this is such a, a, a wonderful marriage of, of two very distinct things. One, you've got this amazing script from Larry Cohen. And two, you've got John Flynn, who is this guy who is not, he, he's a director for hire, but he's not without his own uh, style or tendencies or ability to kind of shape the material a little bit without distorting it. And the thing I love about bestseller is it feels like in the hands of someone else, they would have tried to push it as almost like a, like a Hitchcockian type of thriller. Yeah. Uh, but Flynn goes the opposite direction here, and he, and he kind of leans into the almost like sleaze. bloody cop action sleaze. Yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. And also, Larry Cohen, I'm curious about this, if you're listening out there. <laughs> From beyond the grave. Okay. From beyond the grave, Larry Cohen Jr. I I need to know. Early on in bestseller, Brian Dennehy uh, utters a very distinct phrase. He says, "I'm too old for this shit." <laughs> and then I was like, "When did Lethal Weapon come out?" And the answer is, like two like, years after. No, like six months before this. <laughs> Oh, wow. Which makes me think, because there's no way Larry Cohen just shit this script out. Like, he, he was probably, this feels like the type of thing that he had been working on for a little bit, or maybe sat on for a little bit. I, I, I'm speculating. But, and also, Larry Cohen's not the kind of guy who'd be like, here is a popular line from a popular film, which I will now yeah. lift for my own script. Like, that is not also, his style at all. it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't at that point what it is now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't like, uh, immediately in in the vernacular uh the way that we talk about it mm -hmm, exactly it's and it's just so interesting because like damn if he would have gotten this movie made like not even a year earlier it, would, it, it just i don't know it's well it's you think this would have been the cultural touchstone no <laughs> no it wouldn't have been but then but then it would have been like fuck like what's like is lethal bragging weapon rights yeah. yeah bragging rights you know you got to get the one up on him uh it's i don't know it was just something that stood out to me and yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I Larry, did recognize uh, we'll that too. We'll get out the Ouija board. I, I did recognize that too, Steve, but I didn't really put uh, the amount of thought into it that you did. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's what you brought well, to the table. You, you've known you've known me long enough uh, to know that I I will simply fixate on the uh, least interesting part of any movie. So here we are. Well, I mean, it turns out he he was not in fact too old for this. He was quite young. <laughs> but, yeah, but well, uh, if you were, man. if you're watching said scene, it would it would certainly appear he's too old for this. My God, I was glad the movie did not continue along this lines of like Brian Dennehy like running through a warehouse after a suspect. I'm like, well, this is not fucking working. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, Flynn's smart enough, though, where he makes sure that, uh, you know, Dennehy is, is visibly injured before he has to do any sprinting, so it makes sense that he can barely fucking move, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is a big positive in my mind. Uh, but yeah, this, this is a, it, it's such an odd approach to this type of movie, because it really does have this weird, like, buddy cop dynamic to it, but it's very sleazy. And essentially, it, it's it's about this career criminal, this hitman, who wants Brian Dennehy <laughs> to write a sequel to a, a hit book that Brian Dennehy wrote after getting, like, shot. And uh, this is, like, one of the guys that was involved in that crime. So he's sort of manipulating Brian Dennehy and fucking with him to both, uh, I guess, overthrow this uh like corporate figure but also make sure that a book is written about him that paints him in a good light uh, going so far as to take him to his parents house which i think is a nice touch yeah yeah it's i i don't know i'm always in awe of larry cohen just because he's so prolific and then you know half of his films are just <laughs> debased schlock and half of his scripts mm. are not at all. And this is not at all. I mean, yeah, it's it's a sleazy product. Uh, but it there's so much going on here. Like this is this is definitely you said you it, it seems like it was probably laying around a while because it's got a, a real 70s feel to it as far as mm-hmm. the story. You know, it, it very much it uses that Nixon imagery in the open. It very much feels like America in, in the wake of receding counterculture and and what's left behind and this sort of rot and it's uh yeah it's a great script like it really rips yeah uh i don't know yeah i I was just blown away by this because like you said it's it's got layers to it and it's got this really compelling relationship between dennehy and james woods because you know at, at first woods sort of positions himself as like hey i was involved in this crime but not directly involved and then as they get closer and closer, Dennehy sort of comes to, he finds out that Woods is the guy who actually shot him. Uh, and, and yet right. they're, they're so intertwined at that point that they basically have to continue on this path that they're on. They don't really have a choice. They have to kind of see it through to the end, uh, even though Dennehy wants to fucking kill him. Uh, so that, it's just this wonderful, wonderful tension. So you've got all that going on. But at the same time, if you're just half-ass watching this, it still works. Like, just moment by moment, scene by scene. It's, uh, I, I think I described it as the kind of movie your dad would fall asleep to, like, watching on TV on a Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. <laughs> but, it, so, it, it works that way, but also, it's like, oh, if dad was paying attention, he'd be like, damn. This yeah, it's like, you, you know, these two <laughs> figures with guns pointed at each other, essentially, they they almost bond through this you know fatalist struggle but it, but it's a stand-in basically for you know unchecked capital and governmental authority with the guns pointed at each other it's 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 really fantastic subtext mm-hmm. in this film like it, it, it this is a movie that yes you can sit down and shut your brain off and have fun with it but there's also a lot going on here yeah well that's that's the larry cohen wrinkle to it right because it, it plays off of these tropes that we're, we're used to seeing in similar, uh, like, you know, police procedural thrillers or buddy cop movies. And, you know, it's got the scene where the lawyer's like, hey, why don't we just pay you to not write this book? And he's got his, like, 
you know, scuzz bag uh, muscle with him or everything. And Denny, he slams him against the wall. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not trading in my dignity for you. Blah, 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 blah. Does this whole thing. But ultimately, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, in, in a lesser movie, the idea would be that he would, you know, intimidate these guys and, and get one over on them that way. But the reality is it doesn't matter what Denny he does because there's forces that are so much bigger than, than him. Uh, and there's this massive corporation behind all of this shit that Denny he's trying to uncover uh, where it, it doesn't matter whether or not Brian Dennehy's character is playing by the book or, you know, he's a rogue cop going off script to get things done for justice. It doesn't matter. Like the, the corporation is so much bigger than that that he's he's almost powerless throughout well and even as the ostensible protagonist he's he's just one more profiteer (laughs) oh sure it's like oh his buddies died and he got shot and then uh what what does he get out of it it's like well i wrote a book and made a bunch of money (laughs) now i got a swimming pool in my backyard sorry sean what were you gonna say i was just gonna say it's it's really interesting the the little nugget about uh, lethal weapon that you dug up and and talking about this as a buddy cop film because um they offer such interesting contrasts to that formula um that one being sort of like the archetype of these two mm-hmm. two people uh that are cut from different cloths and are working towards the same goal where and, and are sort of you know they have signed the same you know uh contract and here you have just like a you know, frankly, a more a richer like tension, as you said, between the buddies because they are from different worlds and they have different motives. And um, there's there's like they get entangled um, in a way that is just more interesting than I mean, you know, Lethal Weapon is more of like a comedy uh, mm. anyway. But um, this is yeah, I, I think that they they play really well off of each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing I appreciate about this movie too is if I didn't know any better, I would assume that Lethal Weapon had come out years before it. Only because this feels like the kind of movie that uh, someone would make as like a, like a reaction, like a response, like the anti-Lethal Weapon almost, like you said. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's wild to me that they came out in such close proximity because they, they feel like they're from completely different worlds. And because Lethal Weapon had such a massive cultural impact all of the buddy cop movies that kind of followed um you weren't getting movies like bestseller post lethal weapon uh (laughs) like this is a total anomaly uh everything was just trying to be in that mold whether we were talking you know uh low budget mid budget or or studio films they were all just trying to to mimic that yeah we don't get dynamic we, we we never got the bad boys version of bestseller Mm-hmm, exactly although now i really want that so thank you for planting that seed in my head <laughs> uh but yeah i i think another big takeaway that you could get from this this whole slate that you set up for us sean is uh for the love of god will someone like just like give decent releases to some of john flynn's movies because uh i, I think bestseller probably looks the best of the bunch Oh yeah, but, but <laughs> as we move deeper into his filmography, uh, we're entering into VHS rip oh, zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 
YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and you know, one is one is like it's like, oh, you want to watch it? You get have to go on YouTube, and then the other is, I mean, it, it's a TV movie, and I would bet almost anything that it found its way to the internet because someone <laughs> taped it off of TV oh, with a VCR. Like, there's points where you can you can see like the tracking lines on uh -huh. the movie, and it's got that classic VHS thing too, where like all the colors just sort of like blend together. There's no, there's no tone difference. Like if you see a black person, they're just basically like a shadow <laughs> or if they're, there's a bright background, it's just like, Oh, everything is, is completely white, whited out, just blasting your fucking retinas. It's really good. And stuff. as a proponent for like destroyed, uh, looking media in some genres, uh, this deserves a little bit better, you know? If I'm going to watch like a Joe D'Amato movie, I, I like it to look like that. <laughs> Frankly, I, I don't want to see the seams, yeah, but the, yeah. the, these are real movies. Give, uh, give them a real release. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There was something charming about seeing like, so we haven't really talked about it with, yet with bestseller and I guess it amps up. Um, I think it amps up in the following two films, but all three of these films could very easily fall under the umbrella of sure. neo-noir. Mm -hmm. And and there's something very charming about the really cheap neo-noir. Um, and that's what these are. And when you're seeing like, you know, these sort of like Venetian blinds, like shadows, and you're just like, you know, seeing the little tracking line at the bottom and the colors are all kind of like blending together. I don't know. It's It adds to that sleazy feel uh, mm -hmm. like, you, you know, it reminds me of watching movies that, uh, recorded off of HBO or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's great too, because this is like, when we think of neo-noir, usually the touchstones, uh, for the film noir that they're, they're drawing from are, are like the big budget, the big studio noirs that came out. Uh, but if you look at the, the history of that subgenre, it's, it's mostly like poverty row, right? You know, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not a lot of big studios, so this is like this is like poverty row neo noir, uh, which yeah, translates sure. to like yeah, I don't know, Showtime movie of the week. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like, uh, like I guess we'll talk about nails next, but um, you know, there's uh, a slight sub a, sl a subplot about like uh, this congressman running and and. You just get like you know empty bars after uh, after uh, hours, so that they don't have to like have a bunch of extras. Probably um, just very very cheap stuff using the most basic like sort of like tent pole. Um, yeah, tropes. nails. Mm -hmm. As we transition, I suppose is is uh, a lot more of a traditional procedural. Like the thing about bestseller is it's ostensibly a procedural that is in no way even remotely interested in procedure in any way whatsoever. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I feel like Dennehy is involved in all of these fucking killings and there's just like, no, <laughs> they're like, Oh, how's he going to weasel his way out of this or something? It's like, no, no one cares. Like <laughs> just fucking move along. That's not what this movie's about. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nails is funny to me because it is, it's literally just like, I'm a cop, but I'm crazy and I'm breaking the rules and fucking shit up. But it's, it's a movie with like another insane pedigree in the writing department, which I never would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, Cause this one comes from Larry Ferguson, who, I mean, he was involved in 
uh, uh, probably Hunt one for of Red October. Hunt for Red October, uh, Beverly Hills Cop Two, Highlander. Uh, one of probably ten thousand writers <laughs> on Alien Three. Um, <laughs> maximum risk so the roller ball remake <laughs> okay yeah well you know we all we all tend to just kind of bottom out towards the end of our careers it's fine um but y- I yeah know. i like, think it's getting i think it's getting reappraised rollerball that 2002. Time. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's what we're doing we're doing the uh late career larry ferguson that's the next episode oh god it's john <laughs> tiernan directed <laughs> rollerball what the fuck oh uh, yeah go Wow, I, like that that. <laughs> I saw it in the theater, but I mean, it's Chris got Klein, Chris yeah. Klein and LL Cool J, so I, it's directed by McTiernan. It's making a case. I, <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, I already got it. Yeah, we'll do that and basic. And I mean, I can't watch the Thirteenth Warrior, but but we can do Thomas <laughs> Crown or, or something. I've never seen the Thirteenth yeah. Warrior, which is weird because I was a big Crichton head when I was a kid. So I would have, I thought I would have got to it, but no, no, it passed me by. Yeah, I I loved it when I was a kid, but I uh, I hated I all that. Like now. that fantasy shit. Yeah, some straight up Dungeons and Dragons shit for sure um anyway Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) wait wait what are we talking about yeah uh but but nails is funny because it is it's like it's the most straightforward of the three and uh really it's it's kind of anchored by a classic dennis hopper performance where uh you know the the budget is low and he doesn't have a ton to work with necessarily but uh, he just gives it his all and john flynn to his credit i think this is one of his best attributes as a director whenever he's given a project i think he's good at identifying what the strengths and the weaknesses of his you know whatever his cast is whatever his script is and leaning in to the best aspects of what he has to work with and when you got a simple script and dennis hopper you fucking just let dennis hopper go ape shit and uh usually pays dividends yeah he um he yeah, I, I, like the only quote I could find from John Flynn uh, was him talking about Dennis Hopper actually in Nails, and he was just like, "Oh, I think Nails is really good for for Dennis Hopper. You know, he's a crazy man, and and that character was crazy, and it just kind of allowed him to do that. I mean, it's like the most basic quote, but uh, possible. But it also um, it goes towards what you're saying of like, I think he was really just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna get out of Dennis Hopper's way and also he's just going to anchor the whole film uh, I just have to kind of like facilitate this nicely but I mean he does it like in a, like at times pretty evocative ways mm-hmm. um, you know like there's there's like a, a nice sex scene that's pretty like interestingly shot um, or like you know the way that he shoots these after our bars like there's a shot of Dennis Hopper just like coming out of this like coming into the into it uh, but it's this like long shot and he's coming out of this like big like pool of red and it's just one of those things uh or the way he shoots him in his office with like i said the, like the blinds <clears throat> uh it, it it it's just one of those things that that gives a little bit of atmosphere and um a lot of sleaze yeah for sure for sure uh myros you big nails uh, head. can i just say what the fuck is bill conti doing in this movie he's like submarines half the fucking <laughs> like you watch the <laughs> opening credits and you're like what is this score like it's just this jangling madness and you're like oh this could be interesting 
And then the rest of the movie is just like fucking the most boring bullshit that like drags down every scene. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it, That's it's, TV a, movie it's, stuff. it's not good. Yeah. But, you know, the uh, this is a fine movie. I, I just, I don't know. It's like somewhere in the middle between like uh, taking itself seriously and just kind of going completely insane with it. Like I, I, Hopper is is in his own movie, and that's a better movie. I I feel like, <laughs> but <laughs> well, I, I think I think it also showcases one of the great uh, attributes of Flynn, which is uh, his, or at least attributes of his movies, uh, which is that he's always working with like these incredibly uh, yeah for sure interesting character actors. Like this this one is full. Like you get Danny Trejo. You get John Hawks, which was really funny. Uh, but you get like, you know, Keith David, of course, and Archer mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other guys that like, you know, probably don't know by name, like Raymond Cruz. That, but you see their face and you're like, oh, yeah, OK, I know that person. And they're they're just like uh, they have. a, a See, the person. problem here is like Keith David's like fucking right in the f- forefront of the credits. I'm like, oh, yeah, Keith David. <laughs> And then he's in like three scenes. He's just like standing in a suit, like, hello, I'm Keith David. And I'm like, why aren't you in this movie, man? <laughs> Be in this movie. I just want to see Hopper v. Keith David. Yeah. That's another one, too, where it feels like this is just, just baseline yeah, for good sure. entertainment. I was yeah, literally sure. like, it's not a great I, I just, film. No, this isn't one that's going to keep you on on the edge of your seat, like, you know, biting your fingernails, wondering what's going to happen next to nails. Uh, but I don't know. I, I had it on. I was I was doing my expense report for work and I was just kind of like nodding along. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, car chase. Ooh, ooh naked right? Dennis Hopper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good. It just. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the price of admittance. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's solid. This is the type of thing that vinegar syndrome would like roll out a limited edition of a thousand copies for. That is the standout scene is naked Dennis Hopper gunfight when he's washing his basset. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's like, that's, that's really the selling point, right? It's like, should I watch this movie? And it's like, well, are you intrigued by naked Dennis Hopper gunfight slash washing (laughs) his basset hound? Uh, if that sounds good to you, congratulations. You're listening to the right podcast. You found the correct movie. This is for you. Um, yeah, it's a very cop noir. Um, you know, that, that, that sort of subgenre of the, of, of the noir. You know, it's about the, the cop. I mean, the tagline is uh, a good cop. Yeah, ask with yourself bad habits. Does the chief take uh, his badge like the, at any point during the film? You betcha. <laughs> you bet. He's yeah, got yeah. It kind of writes itself. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, he's he's gotta he's gotta get things done. Sometimes you can't do it by the book. <laughs> I love his like that. pizza uh, eating so, associate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, with the hat and glasses. Oh my yeah. god! And and here's the best part. Uh, if you want to watch this, don't worry. You could you don't have to, you know, hunt down some weird obscure German DVD to try and find a copy. I don't even know if that exists. It's just on YouTube. You could you could look it up and just watch it on YouTube. So uh and, and I would I would highly recommend that. Does it look oh, yeah. like absolute shit? Yes. Oh. <laughs> more than more than you'd ever imagine, but <clears throat> it's still good. So I don't know. I, I just I hope that some somewhere in a vault 
uh, there's a version of this movie that can be restored because you know I'd, I'd like to see it without horrific YouTube compression. <laughs> you get those rich VHS blacks rip. that are just like fucking square pattern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's my favorite part. That's when you know you're watching some quality <laughs> shit on YouTube. <laughs> this this film is right for that, but I think the next one is even right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there's one movie from this this whole set here this this grouping that is just primed and ready to be restored it's and loved gonna and appreciated. be out on vinegar syndrome within it, like three years i guarantee it has it has to be like this is this is the opback <laughs> prophecy we talk about it eight months later there's an announcement like it, this it has to happen uh this is the most vinegar syndrome ass shit ever uh, <laughs> vinegar syndrome has one, they've they've they recently did an underappreciated Christopher Walken movie, so it fits in there. Two, they also did Larry Cohen. Yeah. Uh, two, they did a uh, uh, like a a TV movie box set recently, so oh, clearly okay. they're dipping their toes in. And this brings us to the nineteen ninety three fucking erotic thriller slash just banger of a TV movie. It's like Scam. Tropic Noir. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, uh, it's funny too because it, it is. I mean, it's kind of like this tropical noir, and and a big chunk of the movie takes place, uh, I don't know, like on a boat, and there's like a resort. And all I could think about Myros was uh, when we watched Blackbird, and I was just oh like, yeah, real similar vibes. Fuck! If Blackbird was good, it would be this. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, but yeah, Scam kicks ass. I don't know. Uh, it's it's just utterly bizarre to me. I mean that yeah. that people don't talk about this. It's a fucking Christopher Walken movie. It's great. This the it's got an amazing cast. Uh it's it's fun as shit. Super twisty, turny, and and just it's got everything. This is everything that I look for in a movie, except for the the VHS well, lines on the bottom. The Maybe issue is those, similar to uh nails with Walken here, he's kind of in like mm -hmm no man's land in his career at this point it's like past his point of being like a serious leading man and before he becomes like the fucking meme christopher walken yeah and a meme so it's like right i don't know right. he's, he's kind of and hopper was in a similar place where he was just kind of like floating around there in the in the early and mid 90s yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah sure. trying not to die um <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i mean i learned from from uh the late films of uh sergio martini martino that um when you have a, a sleazy movie and you end up in miami like things are going really well and what scam does is starts in miami and then moves to where, <laughs> where do they go they jamaica. go to fucking uh yeah. uh jamaica jamaica yeah <laughs> and it's just like such a great uh transition from like one sweaty place to another and you get this like outsider thing, you know, that they're like, which is just like a part of like the, the great, um, you know, 50, 40s and 50s noirs, um, these like people out of place. Um, but yeah, Walken is, Walken is great in it um, as this guy who you, you never really know what side he's playing. Um, you get a, a great shot of him just like with his weird body with his shirt off, um, <laughs> but just just like, you know, wearing it. And, um, and, uh, you know, again, you got, you got, it's him versus Lorraine Bracco, which is just like, it, it's such a good, 
talk about tension like mm-hmm. uh she's such you know has this like strong uh personality in front um with like you know the vulnerability sort of seeping in <clears throat> and playing that off of walking and and sort of like when do i let my vulnerability come out and uh like when is that safe uh is it safe with him and and um uh we're just watching that develop over time is great and watching him sort of like eke it out because she starts as this like uh you know con artist herself and she's working for her uh you know pimp more or less miguel ferrer which is just such a good you know john flynn moment i guess now um but uh and she's like drugging these people these guys at bars like drugging their drinks and taking them up and um and you get uh uh christopher walken and you don't know at first i mean you kind of suspect but you don't know if if he knows the deal or not and and Mm. uh it turns out he does but also how does he drink that drink and not uh you know get drugged i was thinking that too uh, that's, that's a, a mystery for, I don't know, another time, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. And it, when it first started, this is not where it ends up going, but for the first like 15 to 20 minutes, I was thinking it was going to fall into my favorite subcategory of films, which is, uh, movies that are similar to promising young <laughs> woman, but actually good. And, uh, <laughs> it kind of veers from that, but. I, I do love that, like, as an audience, we're, we're just kind of like, there's this, like, slow drip of information that we're given. So it, it makes the interactions between the characters that much richer because it's like, we, we know, you know, Christopher Walken is like, is like we, we don't know his exact motivations at first. And we, we know what this woman knows about him. And then she's stuck between Walken and Miguel Ferrer. And we know what his motivations are, but we don't know everything. So we're just sort of like in this nice in-between space between, you know, this, this slow drip of information about these characters, but also watching them interact based on their knowledge of each other. And it's just so perfectly scripted. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing that this just dropped on television. <laughs> and again, it has such atmosphere, like it's shot with, with such mood and it captures mm-hmm. like uh, little pockets of light um, and uh, you can feel the heat um it just uses its location so well yeah it does it does uh it's shame that anytime we're in direct sunlight uh the (laughs) the white balance goes into fucking loony mode but it you know it's again uh somewhere somewhere there was someone who has the ability to restore this and it's still in this beautiful era too where it was clearly shot on film like this is like right on the cusp yeah of TV movies basically eating shit because they're all shot on video and start looking like garbage. Uh, but yeah, this, it, it looks amazing. It's a fun story. It's the rare erotic thriller that isn't particularly erotic, like uh, nary a dick or titty to be seen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the sex scene is, is a classic. Like all, all the, uh, the anti-sex uh, Twitter chatter people would love this because it's just like, walking in her embrace and then they, it's like oh the next morning and walking's yes. putting his shirt on or something <laughs> that's how a sex she should be but obviously he's made for tv so uh but but you know it's it's just uh it's it's weird to see an erotic thriller that has that that much like sexual energy but there's no actual sex wow. so 
that's that's the showtime promise um <laughs> this is this is a quote from from uh john flynn and i'm not sure where it's attributed to uh but <clears throat> it's, it's a classic flynn style he says, uh, it was just another assignment. Showtime's execs liked nails so much they immediately offered me scam. We shot most of it in Jamaica. It was a privilege to work with Chris Walken. What a fine actor he is. Miguel Ferrer and Martin Donovan are also first-rate talents. But Lorraine Bracco was clinically depressed at the time, having trouble with her boyfriend, Edward James Olmos, and her ex-husband, Harvey <laughs> Keitel. Oh, God, so Lorraine... I had trouble with them, too. <laughs> Lorraine wasn't at the top of her game in scam. Um, but you know, for being a TV movie, um, the soundtrack rules and I'm pretty sure, um, the, like there's some shaggy on there and maxi priest and, um, it kind of sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole the day after, like listening to some maxi priest and Lisa Fisher who sing together this song that I'm pretty sure on the closing credits called whatever you want. That is great. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it was like produced Hmm. for the movie. Wow. So huh. do with that what you will. But uh, uh, Steve, I, well, Myros, I want to hear your thoughts on this movie. But uh, Steve, did you know, this might be a common question, but did you know that, that this film was referenced in WWE Raw Happy Halloween from 1994? What? I had no idea. That's a wonderful <laughs> nugget of Do you, of do you think you watched that? Uh, yes, I probably did. I, I'd say unequivocally, I did watch it. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I was exposed to that. Um, and I probably didn't think much of it at the time either, because uh, WWE has historically been wonderful at uh, championing, championing pieces of culture that are like 10 years behind the time. Like even now, they'll, they'll have like a band come out and play in the middle of like a wrestling pay-per-view. And you're like, who the fuck is this? It's some like new metal country act that had a, a hit song in 2013 and now they got a new album out so yeah i'm sure i heard it but i was just like oh what's the fuck is that it's just another wwe thing i don't know shit all about so yeah um, and that's that's amazing you would be talking about the the film uh some whatever <laughs> however many years, years later, later. Yeah. well and, and here's the but, difference between me and coleman sean uh, I said, you know what? I probably watched it and it probably just blew over my head and I didn't think about it. Colin be like, oh yeah, I had, uh, I had a TV dinner, uh, Swanson, the, the meatloaf. Here was the match card. He would remember it vividly and my brain yeah, is yeah. mush. We can't all be Coleman. Now I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, speaking of brain is mush, I'm yeah. trying to remember this band that you're, you're sort of referencing that played it like Survivor Series or what the fuck ever. That was like an abomination. Uh, oh yeah, that's fucking. But yeah, great. my brain's so uh, shitty yeah, I can't remember that. that was like two months ago, so <laughs> it's gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, no, no I like this movie quite a bit. I mean, I, I it, it's there's certainly like a different gear to these latter two TV based movies. Like this is, yeah, it, it's not the sort of movie you're going in looking for any subtext. Uh, it's just a good time and and like a well written thrill ride. Um, yeah, I think it's just like the the way to pull off this sort of movie is, is to shield your own protagonist too. Like we don't have any you guys are talking about the mystery of like Walken's motivations and stuff. Like we don't really have a, a sense of uh Lorraine Bracco's character either. Like, you know, this there's a whole lot of this movie that mm-hmm. at right. the moment feels false, 
but that's because it is <laughs> you know like like you're like boy this whole yeah i yeah, love yeah, you yeah, business yeah. is really uh we're getting there fast i haven't really seen much on screen that would lead to this and it's like well yeah 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 <laughs> it scamming the whole way. it's like yeah. one of these movies that ends in some sort of bizarre sex game where they each have each other arrested and, and steal 10 million dollars from each other perpetually it's uh <laughs> yeah great time great time for sure it's no surprise that it was uh that it's written by the the novelist um that it's based on because again it seems like flynn just sort of like getting out of the way and um letting you know that's that's the beauty of the higher hired hand it's just kind of like as long as there's good talent involved um, and you know how to set up a shot, like, you know, half your work's done. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, the melodrama in this movie, I think is, is quite good. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Definitely. the cast is, it, is just top notch. Like everyone, I, I mean, I'm sure Lorraine Bracco going through a difficult time, you know, some difficult men, uh, but her, I, <laughs> I should say she's she's in a love triangle <laughs> with like the two most deranged men of the era. But that being said, <laughs> I on. I don't notice like some lull in her performance. I thought she was fantastic in this. Like I was like, yeah, no? she she was in a weird mm -hmm. spot in her career and was perpetually yeah, like, she wasn't in a weird at her spot best. in her career. Like <laughs> post Goodfellas, it's like almost nothing for her, you know, at a certain point. But you're like, she's she's really got a presence for sure, and and that's. This whole cast, wonderfully cast film. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. 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 Well, um, I think what we've realized is that uh, it's hard to make a case for John Flynn as odd to Right. <laughs> his movies are good. Yeah. I, his movies are it, fucking it, good. What, what sticks out yeah, to me is uh, like fucking as per always with modern Hollywood. It's like, where are these interesting actors? Like, why? <laughs> All of these are weird fucking people that have right. a lead of. Imagine going to the movie theater and seeing like someone resembling Brian Dennehy and James Woods leading a fucking theatrical release. You'd be like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, I I yearn for these days because they're, they're just far more interesting performers than yeah. whoever fucking handsome Australian they pluck out of there and throw in the theaters these days. <laughs> Yeah, I want I want big personalities and weird old guys. That's the weird, the key not old guys who just mind. look old. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I want some guy who's a, who's a real fucking loony, but and he and he's like he's like thirty two, <laughs> but I swear he's seventy. Where are those so people? That's why. That's why um, I'm excited for Oppenheimer, the new Nolan movie coming out this year. Because uh, what's his name? Cillian Murphy, Cillian Murphy, however it's pronounced. Um, that movie, the based on the trailer, like really leans into that guy's age, and he's a weird-looking guy. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure he has uh, people who thinks he's very attractive, but um, you know, at the end of the day, like Adam Driver, he's very strange-looking. Yeah, and and a movie like that that really is leaning into to not only a strange face but one that's aging um i guess adam driver's a good call he's, he's about the best we've got <laughs> yeah adam driver though i feel like some of the some of the new weird guy actors are almost trending in the opposite direction because like adam driver i don't know if he's like 42 or 22 he's just, yeah. he's just a weird looking dude uh but I, right. and i, res I yeah, respect the hell out of him but uh 
it, you know, he does he doesn't go old either. And shit, uh, what's his face from the Fablemans too? I'm I'm doing we're all doing really great with names here. Um, fuck me, what is Paul his name? Dano? Paul Dano. There's another guy. How old is Paul Dano? Well, he's got to be kind of old because he was in there. Will be blood, and that was how many fucking years ago. But is but he's he always looks like he's twelve, but he can't be. He's probably yeah, forty. Right. How the fuck old is Paul Dano? We don't know. It's in that Miss Sunshine. Yeah, he was like a, uh, <laughs> yeah, like twenty seven ish. <laughs> yeah, just uh, but Dano doesn't count because he's like uh, yeah, he's he's a uh, legacy, you know. He, he's not in the theater. He's not in the movies because he's That's weird true. looking. He's in the movies because uh, he's he's from a Hollywood family, you know. Yeah. Mm. Nepo uh, baby, he's a nep- nepo baby. We love a nepo baby, don't we? Uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah Royal Dano. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway. Mm. Well, I think people should check out Scam and Bestseller. Yeah. Absolutely. And fucking and throw nails. On nail, throw on nails while you're doing work from home I'm, or whatever. I'm going to say, uh, play, little, play a little John Flynn roulette. You know, go on his IMDb page and uh, throw a dart and wherever you land, I, I'm sure you're going to be entertained. Uh, just, just a solid filmmaker, as far as I can tell, based on, on what I've seen. And I'm, I'm excited to watch a little bit more from his, uh, you know, the deeper cuts from his filmography. Maybe not the, the Stephen Baldwin era. I might avoid that. I, I did watch one. I, I watched, um, I actually started the other one, but didn't get to it. But uh, I watched Protection. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's like water off, off Duck's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 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 I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Um, absence of the good, uh, I will say, though, might be worth watching, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know right from the beginning uh, when... Uh, Stephen Baldwin is clearly having this dream and his child is like about to fall off a cliff and does fall off a cliff. Then you find out that that him and his wife like lost a child recently or something like that. (laughs) And it's just like that really, really good, like late nineties TV movie quality stuff. Okay. But I'm, I'm curious about lockup because the stills, I recognize the, the stills, but I couldn't tell you anything about I, that. I think mm. it did quite poorly. I, I know, it was like maybe, one of the, the lesser regarded stones of that era, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, check out some John Flynn. I, I know you've probably seen Rolling Thunder and you haven't gone past that, or you've seen some Seagal and you haven't gone past that, but uh, this, is, this is a guy you're going to want to watch his shit. He makes good shit, and you haven't seen his shit because nobody has. So. Uh, when you're not checking out John Flint, what else can you do? Well, uh, before I get into that, I w- we got to do putovers. I almost forgot about putovers. Myros, what are you putting uh, over this I week? watched something I thought I'd be putting over, and it wasn't very good, so I'll skip that. Uh, but I don't think I put over Cannibal Man, which is uh, it, it's a 70s <laughs> Spanish horror film uh, that is... Uh, much better than <laughs> you would think uh it's it's not about cannibals it's just uh i don't know maybe there's some there's some vague like potential dissemination of corpses into a food supply mm-hmm. but that's as far as it really goes on that front but it's it's uh yeah franco era stuff so it's it's very much coded filmmaking it's it's a great deal to do with spanish society at the time and uh yeah, it is really good, really good stuff. Um, I would recommend checking out Cannibal Man. It's it's kind of a 
really early queer cinema of, of that country as well. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's well worth checking out. All right. Sean Glennis, what are you putting over this week? Um, I'm using my put over as a, as a way to, uh, confront someone on this podcast. Oh, wow. Um, I recently rewatched a recent favorite of mine, uh, a star is born a movie that, uh, <clears throat> Myros, promised me he would watch four years ago. Wow. Um, and I was just curious no. if you ever I, I got do have a copy of it on my hard drive, but uh, <laughs> I probably should. Wow. I, a fraud I, is I, born. I, I, I will watch it off this week. I will, uh, I'll give it a watch because uh, let me tell you, when I try and, uh, and branch out and watch something new on my own, I, I watched uh, The Sadness, which I had heard some very good things about. And, uh, I thought it was quite awful. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I should take Sean's advice instead, and I will watch A Star is Born. You should. It's pretty good. Bradley Cooper pees his pants. You ever seen Bradley <laughs> Cooper pee his pants before? Uh, I can't Spoiler. say as I have. <laughs> yeah, that's why he won so many fucking awards. You can piss on, on cue. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. You should watch that. Myros, you know what no, I'm putting Steve, over I, this I, week? I don't. I no, why would you know that? Uh, I'm, I actually went and I saw the um, the Oscar short animated films. They were playing at a local, local art house theater. So I uh, went and saw that. And uh, one of the best things I've seen so far this year and one of the worst things I've seen so far this year were included in that. So uh, I'm going to put over the best thing, which is a little short film called My Year of Dicks. And it's not just about the time I have spent with you this year, Myros. Uh, it's, it's about, uh, it's, it's like a girl or a woman reflecting on when she was 15 and, uh, the years she spent trying to lose her virginity. It's done in this cool, like animated rotoscope mode. And there's, there's, uh, four different chapters to it. And each chapter has a slight variation on the animation style. Uh, it, it's, it's just really nice. It's good. It feels like, uh, kind of like an early link later, kind of a slice of, of Gen X cinema, uh, but not in like an annoying, cloying way. It feels very uh, just, just honest and and real, and it's fun and it's funny. So, how would you it's, rate it's it against shit. the slice of Gen so, X yeah. cinema that we just watched last week? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, both both upper echelon as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now, the other thing is, is this is nominated for uh, best animated short, so. I really want it to win, not only because it's clearly the best one, but also I'm, I'm picturing like, like just close your eyes and, and picture like a Dame Judy Dench, just opening a, a, an envelope and saying my year of dicks on national television. Doesn't that feel good when you think about that? I think it's nice. Uh, now on the opposite end of the spectrum, <clears throat> if I could have an anti put over and Myros, much like a star is born, I'm going to continue to bully you into watching this because it's dog shit. Uh, from Apple, uh, maker of, of great films like Coda, a favorite of, of Sean Glennis. <laughs> uh, they submitted a, a little short this year to the Oscars, got nominated. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And I have never in my life groaned more at a movie in my entire life. It's just like, it's, it's all those like low-res fucking inspirational JPEG memes that you see that your like, aunt is posting on Facebook. It's that horse shit that's the whole script everyone speaks in live laugh love 
like distressed wood sign. I it's abysmal. This, why isn't this like eight abysmal, minutes long? Which is why like, I'm sure, not yeah, watch I'll watch it. No, <laughs> no, that's the best part. Is the first two minutes or so, you're like, okay, I get it. It's some like warm and fuzzy like Winnie the Pooh ass bullshit. And then really like uh, there's a there's a little bit that happens maybe like 10 15 minutes in but after that it's just fucking coasting with its with its bullshit like every 30 seconds like a character turns to another character and goes you are loved and you are special <laughs> and I'm not even fucking joking like this is not me exaggerating for comedic effect like that's that's how these these fucking animals talk to each other absolutely horrible makes me want to fucking slit my throat so I guarantee it'll win. Anyways, uh, if you enjoy the show this week, um, hey, there's a there's a link in the description. And Sean, do you know what you can do if you click that link? Takes you to fear.com. It does. It does. Takes you to fear.com. And then uh, a, a voice goes, do you like to watch? And then, and then it, like, <laughs> it kills you in three days or something. Uh, no, it, it'll actually take you to our Patreon. And it won't kill you, but it will offer you the opportunity to give us money. And when you give us money, uh, it helps this podcast survive. It helps us pay for hosting and um, uh, Sean's elaborate wardrobe and various other things. <laughs> Adam Myros's collection of Nazi memorabilia. How's he buying it? Ain't it? Cheap, well, uh, you, you know, it takes money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you can donate and you can give us a couple bucks and uh, that would be lovely. And if you donate at any level, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. Maybe you'll get a VHS copy of Nails. You have no Scam. idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll send you a YouTube link <laughs> to Nails. No, I wouldn't do that. You're going to actually, you're going to get a piece of physical media in the mail for me. Assuming you live in the continental United States. I can't fucking send a DVD to Portugal. I'm not made of money. Come on. Uh, if you donate at a higher level. Well, then you get to vote on future episodes and what kind of content we put out. And you also get your name read out on the air. What a treat. Uh, Myros, who are our uh, five yeah, and above friends? Hoof, CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. And God bless them all. Now, if you want to, you can also donate at the highest tier. And at that $25 tier, you will get to dictate an entire episode. And just to clarify, we've had some questions about this. If you want to do a $25 for an episode, you can, you can do it for one month and then go back to whatever other tier you want. Uh, you don't have to constantly give us $25. I mean, you can. That's a lot. Uh, you don't know, tell them that, Steve. You can. That would actually <laughs> help us out. I mean, God bless you if you do, but if, if you're like pressed for cash, we get it. Uh, it's fine. But uh, thank you. Thank you to our, our $25 donors out there. We love you. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And I think that just about wraps it up. So uh, we'll be back next week. Peace.